0: Welcome, everyone, to another special episode of the Heat vs. the World podcast. As always, I'm your host, Joel Jacob, and you can follow me on Twitter at JoelKJacob underscore. And with me always, I got some guests. First, we got Miami Clutch PE. Say what's up to the people, Clutch.
1: What's going on, everybody? Miami Clutch PE on Twitter. Follow me. Follow you right back.
0: And then following him, we got Mr. Jake Wild. Say what's up to the people, Jake.
2: Hey, friends. This is a Wild Thoughts on Twitter. Hit me up, and again, I will follow you right back, too.
0: And then following him, we got our female correspondent, Miss Angelina Martell. Say what's up to the people, Angelina.
3: What's going on, Heat Bristol? the World? It's Angelina Martel. You can follow me on Twitter, at Angie Martell with two E's for all your latest Miami Heat updates.
0: And then following her, we got a very special guest. He is undoubtedly a Miami Heat legend. If you have ever been to a Heat game, you have more than likely heard his iconic voice roaring through the arena. You can also catch him on his own podcast titled, Would You Do Us the Honor?
4: Two minutes! Dos dos. (laughs) minutos!
0: That's right, Shaw. Without further ado, say what's up to the Heat versus the world audience, Mr. Michael Biamonte.
4: Heat versus the world. How are you? It is a pleasure to be with you all today. Thanks so much for having me on the podcast. I look forward to talking with you about uh, the Miami Heat, about public address announcing, and any other questions that you might have. It's a it's a pleasure to be with you all today.
0: So thank you so much for hopping on. So we have a lot of questions we want to ask. First one, I'll start. Um, I want to know, because you say so much like iconic lines in the middle of Heat games, that I want to ask, like, what's your top five favorite things to say as the game goes on?
4: Top five, okay. <laughs> uh, let's see if I can't... Uh try to work this backwards from five to one Um, I would say number five is when the visiting team scores a basket but it's waved off because of either a a violation or an offensive foul Um, I I love to be able to say when the other team scores and it doesn't count no basket (laughs) Another one that uh, is one of my top uh, lines that I like to use is obviously when the Heat make a three-pointer and get everybody in the arena fired up with the three! (laughs) Um, Another one is when the visiting team turns the ball over by traveling. Uh, I'd really like to call attention to that by announcing that as Too many
3: steps
4: (laughs) And I would say my last two Are the two that I'm most known for Uh, One is how I introduce the team uh, Each and every night at the American Airlines Arena Stand up And make some noise For your Miami Heat
0: I got goosebumps while you were doing that. By the way,
4: <laughs> <laughs> and then uh, number Uh-oh, one, uh, awesome. your audience has already heard it uh, just a few minutes ago. Uh, it has become a vocal icon in South Florida. It's two minutes dos minutos. <laughs> so I guess that would be my favorite. Uh, my favorite ones to announce uh, in games.
0: For sure. I mean, I know. For me, growing up as a Heat fan, like, I know one memory for me is I would always want to go to the games just to hear you say those certain parts. Like, I would always get excited when two minutes came specifically to hear you say that. Like, I don't know you understand how much memories you've given a lot of Heat fans simply when you, like, go to the games and just to hear you say those certain phrases. Like, that's something. And that's why, like, I feel like you're someone iconic... Two Heat fans everywhere. Because your voice, like, when people hear that, like, you have one of those voices where people recognize you immediately. Like, how does it feel, honestly, to be, like, one of those iconic voices that people think about, specifically here in South Florida? It uh,
4: it, it really is something special, Joel. I uh, never really... I guess when I first got the job, I, I never really thought about what it could become... Um, and what what the South Florida Heat fan and I could share as an experience. And um, it has been fantastic to hear and see people come up to me and talk to me about uh, my experience with the Heat and say that that's all that they've known their entire lives is the way I announce Heat games. And uh, to hear moms and dads tell me stories about when it's time for the kids to take a bath or it's time for the kids to come to dinner, how so many of the families in South Florida tell their kids, there's two minutes, dos minutos until (laughs) bath time. I mean, that's, that's really something that, you know, you've made your way into the homes of the South Florida heat fans that it just, it warms my heart. It really, it makes me feel great. And, and I don't want to lose sight of the fact that I have to say in large part, it's the Miami Heat organization. Uh, I've been together with them now for 30 seasons. That's a long time, and there's not a lot of PA announcers in the NBA that have been with their teams that long. And so if you think about it, it's it's become generational now. So Heat fans, when I started, now they've had kids, and uh, what they've heard in with me announcing, now their kids are hearing it. And so it's becoming generational, and it, it just – Gets more and more special as we move on and forward with this. So I appreciate you recognizing that. That it's it means a lot to me.
0: Mhm. And then, Clutch, Angelina, um, Jake. Do you guys have any questions you want to ask? Uh,
1: sure. Oh, sure. Um. Go ahead. Go ahead. Oh, all right. You mentioned about working for the Heat organization. I want you to get a little bit more into that. What's it like to be part of a Heat organization that's almost unanimously regarded in the league as a Class A top tier organization?
4: Oh, Clutch, you're right about that. uh, Not only in South Florida, but around the entire country and the entire NBA, uh, there is a lot of respect for the Miami Heat, both on and off the court. On the court, obviously, we know how much teams respect the culture that Pat Riley and Eric Spolstra have built with the team. But off the court, in the in the business side of operations, the way we do game presentation, how a heat game looks and feels is very highly regarded and respected by NBA franchises all around the league. And so being a part of that creativity... You know, bringing heat games, what we call the heat experience, bringing that to life for the fan each and every night. That in and of itself has its own culture to it. Yes, when Pat arrived, the heat culture started and we have all bought in, into that. But each and every one of our departments has embraced its own thoughts and beliefs when it comes to what is being a heat Miami Heat dancer mean? What is being the public address announcer of the Miami Heat mean? What is it to be the game operations director for a game night? What does that mean? Those all have special meanings to it. And frankly, uh, yeah, it's a big responsibility. Uh, A lot of people want to talk to you about your ideas, your thoughts, how you get from here to there, what goes through the creative process. Uh, I appreciate that. And, um, and i'm happy to be helpful and a part of that and be what we think is a league and industry leader uh, and clutch to take that one step further uh, what this organization does and has done in the south florida community is so important to me uh, i've lived here for 50 years and in south florida the connection i've had with the heat fans they have been so warm and embracing of me my style the way I announce games, the fun that I like to have, uh, that the Heat's wanting to give back and me wanting to give back just works out perfectly. So it's been a great relationship. Uh, Clutch, it has to be. Like with anything, if you're together that long, uh, something must be right. And there's a lot that's right uh, with the Miami Heat. And then Jake, Angelino, you guys?
3: Sure.
0: Sure.
2: So first off, Mr. Biamonte, obviously it is a true pleasure. Um, I'm a lifelong Heat fan going back to, uh, when I grew up with in the kind of the Wade and Shaq era. And so as Joel was saying earlier, just, you know, going to Heat games, you know, your voice is something that, you know, mean, you know, that's as much of the experience as watching the players. So definitely, you know, a pleasure to be speaking with you. Um, I just wanted to ask. So I think most people would agree you have probably the coolest job there is. And I think it would be cool if you could touch on maybe how you became a PA announcer, um, if that was something you were wanting to do, if you wanted to become, you know, the heat PA announcer specifically, and honestly,
4: just to kind of touch upon that path of how you became the voice of the heat. All right. Thanks, Jake, for those nice comments. And uh, sure, I'm happy to tell you uh, kind of my road into uh, NBA public address announcer. Uh, I started out watching basketball games on television uh, as a young kid. I would guess I was probably in middle school. And uh, back then there was uh, only games on television on the weekends. And so you'd always see the better teams in the NBA and living down here in in South Florida, that this was probably in the uh, middle seventies. And so the Miami heat didn't even exist back then. And But one of the better teams was the philadelphia 76ers and so they would be on television almost every single weekend and i was a basketball fan and i watched the games on television but watching philadelphia uh there was something about the games there was this voice in the background not the television play-by-play not the analyst uh, not the eric reed john crotty guys but there was a big booming voice in the background that, I, that was, I was drawn to. And I came to find out that that voice was the public address announcer that was inside the building where the Philadelphia 76ers played. Uh, I also found out that his name was Dave Zinkoff. And Dave Zinkoff had a really enthusiastic style. And I could hear his bombast in the background on television. And I could always hear the fans kind of, he would say something and the fans would react. And so I was drawn to that job uh, from watching it on television as a, as a very young man Uh, move on now to high school. And I, I played a little bit of basketball in high school, but um, I got hurt my junior year. And so I, I really didn't have much of a career, but I thought back to how much I enjoyed being or listening to that public address announcer. And so I went to the coach and I said, coach, um, we've got the sound system here in the gym where the team plays. Do you think I could announce the basketball games for the high school team? And he said, well, let's go ask the the principal of the school. And the principal said, "Uh, I'll let you do it under two conditions, that the opposing team's coach every night that we play says it's okay. And the referees say it's okay. And if those two give you the green light, you can announce the games all you want. So I never had a a coach or a referee tell me I couldn't do it. So I announced uh, the boys' basketball team at my local high school throughout the rest of my two years uh, that I uh, I, I was in high school. Uh, I graduate, and I uh, become a freshman at uh, FIU. And that year was the first year that FIU had a men's basketball program. They had never had a basketball team before. So they need to hire everybody. Coaches, uh, they need to bring in players. They need to find a PA announcer. And so I put on my college application that I was a high school PA announcer, that I I started this program for my my high school and we were the only high school in Dade County announcing games. And I put that as a big accomplishment because it was something I did. I was proud of it. And so, lo and behold, I get a phone call one day from the sports information director at FIU saying, we're looking for a public address announcer. Uh, I have your application here. Someone passed it along to me. Would you want to audition for the job? So I said, great, I'll audition for the job. And so I auditioned and I got the job as the FIU men's basketball public address announcer. This is in the early 80s. Again, no professional basketball. Actually, no other basketball. The University of Miami wasn't even playing basketball at the time. Only FIU. I tell you that story because it's very instrumental in how I got to where I am. FIU did not have an on-campus facility to play their games. So we had to go and play games at different locations around the country, or around the the county. Excuse me. Uh, One of those was Miami Dade. Uh, Miami-Dade College, uh, the South Campus in Kendall. We played at a couple of different high school gyms. And we played at one location in downtown Miami called the James L. Knight Center. And so playing at all these different locations, uh, not only did it allow me to be the PA announcer, but a lot of people came to these games because they were in different parts of the county. And it was college basketball. And so... What I tell a lot of young PA guys that want to break into the business is, listen, the guy or person who's going to hire you for your next job is probably sitting in the arena of where you're announcing tonight. And sure enough, that happened. That happened with a couple of gigs. Uh, And while this one that we're talking about surrounds the NBA and the Miami Heat, one of probably the most important job I got as a young announcer growing up was two years of working with a gentleman by the name of Vince McMahon, who hired me to be a ring announcer for his, what was then called the WWE, the World Wrestling Entertainment Group. Um, So let's flash forward now. Uh, I'm doing college basketball. I've done professional wrestling. Uh, I've built a nice resume. The Miami Heat comes to town in 1988. I'm the only basketball announcer in town, they're a basketball team, perfect. I send in my letter and say, I'm interested. Uh, I'd love to, to talk to you about your job as public address announcer. I look forward to hearing from you. They mailed me a letter back saying, thank you. We have an announcer. Don't call us, we'll call you if we're interested. And so the team played, they had an announcer at the time and I'm doing college basketball, and I just don't know if my career is going to go anywhere else. I'm in, I'm in corporate America at this point. I've graduated from college, uh, and so now I'm in the business world. I've got an 8-to-5 a job, uh, and I'm doing college basketball at night. And one day, the phone rings at my desk at work, and the person on the other end says, this is so-and-so from the Miami Heat. Our announcer is sick. And we're wondering if you can announce tonight's Heat game. So the first thing that crosses my mind is which one of my buddies is crank calling me on this, trying to, you know, get me to, <laughs> to believe that, uh, that this is really the Miami Heat. Um, but I, I soon come to find out it was legit. It was the Miami Heat. And uh, I said, sure, I can, I can be there to announce the game. And that night, I went to what was then the Miami Arena, and the Heat, this was so long ago, the Heat played a team that doesn't even exist uh, in its current state anymore. We played the Seattle Supersonics. Wow. Uh, the team doesn't exist anymore. They, they have moved on to become the Oklahoma City Thunder. Uh, but this was the Seattle Supersonics, so I announced the Seattle game. I got a phone call the next day from the Heat organization saying, we'd like to make you our permanent backup. And I said, great, I'll be happy to. Uh, whenever you need me, call me and I'll be there for you. And so I did some preseason work uh, the next year, but in the, in the regular season, they didn't need me. I, I was available, but they didn't need me. And then the guy who had the PA job had to leave. He had to go back to California to take over a family business. And so the heat held open auditions, uh, for the job of which I was invited to audition like everyone else. And I got the job and that was 30 seasons ago. Wow. Wow. Yeah. That, that was an
2: awesome journey. Thank you so much for sharing that with us. Crazy to see, you know, what, what it was to start and then obviously what it became. It's, it's pretty miraculous.
4: Yeah, it's uh, it's been an incredible, incredible journey, Jake, Uh, where where this thing started, you know, working in corporate America and getting a phone call and doing a game against Seattle to where now, uh, obviously not with the uh, with the pandemic, but in in normal times, uh, if you were to go into any place in South Florida, a grocery store, a fast food restaurant, anything, and somebody yelled out two minutes somebody else is going to yell back dos minutos. I mean, it's just who would have thought that was going to happen? Mm -hmm.
0: And then Angelina, do you have a question you'd like to ask?
3: Yes, I do. So as you previously said, you have been with the Heat for 30 seasons and so I can imagine you've watched the heat go to the finals five times and win three of those five finals games and so as we all know last season was not what anybody would have expected it to be you know the Orlando bubble you can't have crowds and so with the heat going to the eastern conference finals and the nba finals coming up short in game six did you have the opportunity to go to the bubble with them and if not would you have taken the opportunity if you were invited
4: well, Angelina, that's uh, that's a really really good question. So I'll give you a little behind the scenes uh, as the NBA was putting the whole bubble together, uh, and we kind of at this point we knew the bubble was going to happen. Uh, they reached out to uh, all of the NBA teams. They asked the they asked the game operations director. That's the the person who actually directs the game. So at, at every NBA game, there's someone that directs what happens at every timeout of the game. Uh, for the Miami Heat, uh, his name is Josh Goshen, and Josh sits to my immediate right at the scorer's table. And so they reached out to the game operations directors, and they reached out to the public address announcers. And they asked if they would be interested in going to the bubble. And if they would be interested, how long would they be willing to go? Would they be willing to go for a month, for two months, or for the full three months? And so I sat down with my wife and talked about it and said, listen, I'm, I am I think I'm going to put my name in. Uh, I don't know if I'm going to be selected, but if I, if I am, I'm going to be gone for three months. And so she gave me her full support, and so um, both Josh and myself put in to uh, – To go to the bubble, the uh, league selected four PA announcers um, and I'm I'm not sure what they used uh, for their decision, but they uh, they chose Brooklyn, uh, Indiana, Denver and the L.A. Clippers. So two guys from the east and two guys from the west. And they brought them into the bubble. And they started at four PAs, and then as fewer and fewer teams were playing, they cut it down to three, and then ultimately to two, two uh, PA announcers at the very end. So I was more than willing to go. Uh, I was not selected, uh, but I would have gone for sure. Uh, Having said that, I was able to interact with Heat fans throughout the playoff and finals run um, if you recall, the NBA had set up a system where you could be a virtual fan. And your face, your, your basically your Zoom screenshot, appeared on these giant video panels uh, inside the arenas at the bubble. Uh, the Heat was able to set up a way where we were – I was actually plugged into every one of our Miami Heat fan rooms – and as they're watching the game, I was announcing the game like I would at the American Airlines Arena. So they're watching on their computer, they're seeing themselves, and they're hearing me interact with them like they do at the arena. So I, I had a part of it, but it was kind of new age technology where they could hear me, um, and I was actually in a IT closet inside the American Airlines Arena broadcasting. That's
3: really cool, though. And following up on that, what was it like to – Broadcast, well not broadcast, but like announce those three finals games that you won. Like, what was the energy like in the arena, and what was like, what was going on? Like, how did you feel in that
4: moment? Are you, uh Angelina? I'm sorry. Are you speaking about uh, when we were in the bubble, or we're we talking about uh, no the finals
3: the previous away finals games away, ah, away from the
4: bubble? I yeah. So that is the height of. Insanity fan insanity is what I'll (laughs) I'll say Um, it's because it buzzes everywhere. It's not just game night. It's buzzing 24 hours a day, seven days a week. And then for those three or four nights, depending on the schedule, uh, it is at its apex inside that building for those two and a half, three hours. And so it's, it's energy. It's so it's so much enthusiasm that the when you walk in and, the, and it just it, it feels so different, Angelina. It is a, it's a feeling that you unless you're in a finals you just you just don't get it. And I don't know if any of you all have had the fortune to attend a finals game. If you have, maybe you know what I'm talking about. But if obviously you've been to Heat games. Take that up a hundred times. It is just, it's amazing. It's special and it's different, Angelina. It really is different. The game's the same, but everything else about it is different. Mm -hmm.
2: To to go off that, um, obviously you've been here for some, a lot of different iterations of great teams. Is there any team, or even in a, in a moment in particular, that you know you were sitting first row and announcing that you were just that really sticks out in your career
4: as one of your favorites? Well, if you if you want to talk about a single moment, there's none better than the Ray Allen three in Game Six. Had a feeling uh, of our, <laughs> yeah, of our uh, of the NBA Finals with the Spurs. Um, For for one single moment, that play is the most incredible play I think I will probably ever announce. When you think about stakes and where we were in the game, we all know the story. They brought the ropes out. The ropes were out (laughs) on the ground, ready to be brought up by security so that we could do the trophy presentation to the Spurs. I was going to have to read the trophy presentation to the Spurs. Can you imagine <laughs> that? And so that shot, in, in a single moment, Jake, that would be the most incredible and obviously most memorable. But there's another group of memories that are just as really, just stand out just as much To me. And that was back in 2006, games three, four, and five of the NBA Finals, the Heat versus the Dallas Mavericks, when, with about halfway gone in the third quarter of game three until the end of that series, a guy by the name of Dwayne Wade decided he was going to become the greatest basketball player on the planet and basically single-handedly turned that final series around from doom and gloom for us to hoisting the trophy and NBA champion. Those three games, and I, I obviously the fourth game where we won it in Dallas is just as important, but for me as the PA guy, those three games were my home games. And to see him play the way he did and what he was able to do for our team—that is over a course of uh, a week—just as memorable as the Ray Allen shot. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and actually, I, I'd forgotten that the old format
2: was to have two, three, and two. So you really were, you know, f- had a front front row seat to the complete turning point in that series. So that is right, very cool.
4: Yeah, that uh, that series was uh, Jake was not fun for a long time. Uh, we go into Dallas for games 1 and 2 and we lose them both. And you're 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 bummed out, right? You're like, ah, I wish we could have just got if we could just get one of those cuz we got to get one sometime. But we go down 0-2. It's not the end of the world. You're right. It used to be a 2-3-2 format. And so they're coming back to Miami for three games. And so you never know what could happen. And we go into game 3 and nothing is going right we're losing we start losing by double digits i'll never forget we're losing by double digits in game three and i turned to the official scorer uh a guy by the name of peter abraham And he sits to my immediate left and he keeps the official book whatever's in his book is official for for who's got what points and what fouls and so forth and i we've been together now probably 27 years and i turned to him and i said you know peter I thought this was going to be a lot more fun than it is being in the finals. (laughs) And all of a sudden, I don't know if Dwayne heard me or not. I hope he did. But that things turned (laughs) on a dime, and that was just incredible. Uh, People ask me, which which of the three championships is my favorite? That's like asking me, which of my three daughters do I love the most? You just can't do that. But I will say the 2006 one – is the most memorable because it looked like all was lost. And out of nowhere, we came back and won that thing. So I would say that one's probably the most memorable and most special because of the way it happened.
2: Mm-hmm. So That's cool.
4: awesome. Hey, so,
1: Mike, speaking of Dwayne Wade, another very iconic, at least to me, very iconic moment in Heat history wasn't in a playoff game, but a regular season game where he came back after a trade from the Cleveland Cavaliers. How was that moment like? Dwayne Wade's coming off the bench, and all of a sudden goes to the scorer's table, and you introduce him. How was that moment like? How was the arena,
4: the atmosphere? So he's back, uh, and we know he's going to come off the bench. right? He's not going to be in the starting lineup, so he's going to get his own introduction from me uh, when it comes to checking the game. Now, this would have been perfect if he would have come to the scorer's table and within a few seconds we had a whistle and then I could have gotten him in the game. But that's not exactly what happened. He came to the scorer's table, he kneeled down, everybody in the building saw it, and now here comes this underbelly of enthusiasm, of excitement, of noise, crowd is cheering, and... I think if you go back and, 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 and watch the, the actual uh, clip of it, I am belting out as loud as I can. <laughs> now in a game for the Miami Heat, number three, Dwayne Wade. And I don't think you can hear anything that I said because that crowd was so loud. It was the same thing with the Ray Allen shot. I yelled out Ray Allen three as loud as I could. And nobody heard it because the place just blew the roof off. Same thing when D Wade came back and was introduced uh, back as a part of the Miami heat, uh, just so much love, uh, and just so much excitement and enthusiasm. I don't think anybody heard me. They didn't need me to introduce him. They knew Dwayne Wade was coming in the game, but, uh, it was, it was really a special a, a special second of which Dwayne Wade had so many of those in his career that I was lucky enough to announce whenever he was in the, the American Airlines arena.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And then, um, so Mr. Biamonte, a question I have about another special moment Heat fans will remember dates back to 2010. And this was when Miami announced their new big three of Dwayne Wade, LeBron James, and Chris Bosch. Now, one reason why that Big 3 will be iconic is the way how Miami introduced them, when there was the whole welcome party and everything. So one question I want to ask you was, how did it feel to be a part of that whole, what was it, whole event where everyone came to the arena to not watch a basketball game, but simply just to watch Miami reveal their new Big 3? How did that feel?
4: That was a really, really interesting night because uh, the, the city, the fans, all of South Florida was so excited that, uh, that we were able to bring these three players together. And certainly what at the time appeared to be and ultimately will be judged to be uh, such a, a wonderful time in, in heat, heat history and a successful time. Um, and the excitement and enthusiasm, it was it was really, really special. Um, it, the setting of the arena was more like going to a concert. But the energy in the building was more like being at a finals game that we just talked about just a few minutes ago. So you've got all this enthusiasm and excitement. And here I am. I'm going to be the one introducing these three guys for the first time. And then... You've got the introduction here I am belting out their names, and here they are, rising up from underneath the stage to be unveiled it was it was goosebumps it really, really was goosebumps uh for that for that introduction, and then we know the next four years went on to be some of the greatest, greatest basketball that heat fans have ever seen
0: mm-hmm and then. I don't know. I'm clutch, Jake. Do you guys have any questions you want to ask?
4: I have one.
2: Um, so, one of my like greatest memories as a Heat fan is whenever we would get a new player, or whether it was you know free agency, or trade, or or drafting, drafting them. I always thought, and I wonder how, you know, I wonder how he's going to get announced when he scores. So I'm curious, what's your process when you, you know, when you know we have a new player on the roster? What is the process you go to? go through to
4: kind of figure out how you're going to announce his name? That's a, that's a good question, Jake. Thanks for that one. Uh, you know, that that is an interesting process. A lot of people ask me, you know, am I at home saying the player's name and trying to figure out which way I like it to sound the best? And and I it's not quite like that, but I will look at a player's name. And for me, it's all about how the syllables fall in that player's name because obviously with my style, I elongate names. Well, the best way to do that is with syllables. And where does it fit best? Is it better in the player's first name? Is it better in the player's last name? Uh, What kind of player is it? Is it a a, a player that is a, a really strong player that you wanna give some kind of emphasis to in some certain way? The other thing, Jake, is I don't want everybody's name to sound the same. So, everybody's got to have a little something different to their name. Because if everybody sounds the same, then that's that's no good. So, everybody's got to have a little something different when it comes to their name. So, Goran Dragic doesn't sound like Jim, me, Butler. And so... You you always have to. Tr- I always try to think of it in that in that regard. How do I break up the syllables? What kind of player am I talking about here? For example, Tyler Hero, great shooter, three pointer. Tyler Hero. Uh, one of your guests you had re- on recently, Myers Leonard, who was fantastic. You guys did a great job with Myers. He was awesome. To me, Thank Myers you. Leonard is an up. Up and down, up and down, NBA guy, and I don't mean up and down as in good and bad. I mean up and down as up for rebounds, bringing rebounds down. So I would it, announce Myers. Think of up and down, Myers Leonard. <laughs> so it's that's that's what I go through. Those are the things I think about. Um, when it comes to bringing in a new player and, and his name, I will say this draft night is a very nervous night for me because we could be one player away from a great name guy and a very difficult name guy. And I don't know which one we're going to pick. And I have to tell you, I was thrilled when two years ago we picked bam, and a bio! That couldn't be better. (laughs) Guy makes a slam dunk, it's just very simple. Bam! Because that's what he just did. And so, that to me is great. Precious Achua is another good player because there's so much I can do with Precious. Uh, One of the other things that I announce a lot is who the assist came from and Uh, obviously this is heat versus the world. I don't need to tell your listeners what an assist is, but when a player (laughs) makes a pass that leads to a basket, that's an assist. So I got Precious Achua, whose name is great all by itself, Precious Achua. But a Precious Achua assist is a precious pass. So that works out really well. Those are some of the things that, this PA announcer goes through in his mind. It's probably a little crazy, but uh, hopefully on game night, it makes it fun and it makes it easier for you to remember guys that I announce by the way I do it, since they are pretty unique in each and every way.
3: On that topic, who has or who is your favorite name to announce?
4: Ooh, we're back to this. Which one of my which one of my daughters is my favorite? <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> Uh, that is, that's, that's a tough one. Uh, there's been a couple of things that I've done in my career that I've really enjoyed. Uh, early in, earlier in my career, uh, when Alonzo Morning was a big part of the organization, um, an Alonzo Morning slam dunk, I would announce as, Good morning!
3: Oh, that's clever. And, uh,
4: that actually, that actually uh, got written up about in USA Today, and the writer wrote that it was uh, the most unique PA announcer's call in the league at the time. Was an uh, Alonzo Morning dunk uh, being announced as Good Morning? Um, so, it, I really enjoy doing things like that. Precious Pass is one is one of those things that maybe we'll catch on. We'll see. Um, So I can't necessarily say that there's been players' names that I like more than others. Uh, There's a lot of players that Heat fans over the years remember and remember me announcing. And a lot of them are old, old school players. For example, one guy that I get asked a lot to do is a player, see if you all remember this guy. Bimbo Coles, <laughs> what a throwback! <laughs> That's a that is a throwback. A lot of people love the Bimbo Coles uh, PA call. Um, so there's there's been so so many. I mean, all of the the Heat players have been have been great. I uh, it's hard for me, Angelina, to, to tell you who I like the best. Uh, I will say this: I've never had a player that elicited the response from Heat fans in the arena every single time I said his name while wearing a Miami Heat jersey than I did with Dwayne Wade. Every time I said the name Dwayne Wade for anything, anything positive, not not for committing a foul, but anything positive, the crowd would go crazy. Even for something as simple as, now at the line, Dwayne Wade, the crowd, ah, goes crazy, because I just introduced him at the free throw line to shoot two free throws. It was the most remarkable thing ever. It was the crowd's reaction every time I said his name. Just amazing.
3: That's great.
4: I can understand when, that you don't
3: have a favorite, but that's understandable. Because there's been right. so many, you know, like LeBron, Wade, Bosh. There's been so many. So, it's understandable.
1: a lot Yeah, just just a side note of mine. Like, we talk about all these names. One of my personal favorites has always been Chris Bosh. Because it's so so short and simple, but it's so good. I, I always enjoyed it every time I went to the Heat game during the Big 3 era with Chris
4: Bosh. So that clutch, that's an interesting. And again, you look back at Chris Bosch and, and kind of to think about what I'm going through. Okay, I can take Chris and I can make that two syllables. Bosch, I can't do much with it, so I gotta I gotta focus on on Bosch. What can I do with Bosch? And I just thought if I took his first name, made it two syllables. Chris and then held the, the Bosch as long as I could that made that would be something that fans would like. And so, you know, that, that final thing sounded like this. Chris, Bosch. <laughs>
1: so great. man.
0: And then, um, so, uh, Mr. Bimonte, another question I want to ask you is, um, one of obviously, and we've already touched on this certain um this certain um saying you have. Uh, how did you come up with those minutos?
4: Okay, so there are really two iconic sayings or phrases that uh, I've been able to come up with with the Miami heat and there's stories for both of them. So I'm happy to tell you the stories for both. If you guys want to hear them both, both uh, please. but we'll, we'll, we'll start <laughs> with, uh, let's start with the one that's been around the longest and that's stand up and make some noise for your Miami heat. So the story behind that phraseology is this, uh, I'm sitting at a Miami heat game. I've got a, my game operations director, who's now gone on to become the vice president of marketing for the Miami Heat, he's the game ops guy at the time. And it's it's before the game, so we're having a conversation. And he says, you know, we just got back from a five-city visit where we went to five different NBA teams and we watched five different games. He said, one of the cities that we went to, he said, I can't remember which one it was. He said, but one of them, their PA announcer had a call to action right before he introduced the team. <clears throat> Excuse me. He said something like, get up and get loud or, or stand and cheer. or He said, I don't remember exactly the words, but the crowd reacted to it. And he said, I really like that. Do you think you could come up with something that we could use like that? I said, well, I, yeah, can I have some time to think about it? he said sure think about it when you think you have something let me know and we'll test it out so I just I just started thinking about it trying to put kind of word phrases together and I settled on stand up and make some noise for your Miami Heat call to action I'm getting ready to introduce the team so everybody stand up everybody get loud here comes your team so the next game, after I had come up with this, we're there and I said, I think I've got something. He said, okay, great. Let's use it tonight. All right? Awesome. So here we are. I'm getting ready to introduce the Miami Heat. And man, I belt it out. And now, stand up and make some noise for your Miami stood up. (laughs) Nobody made any noise. Nobody reacted to it at all. (laughs) So, you know, here I am just downtrodden, right? I'm defeated. I'm like, oh my God, I thought about this. I worked on it for so long. And I said, I'm sorry. I'm really sorry it didn't work out. And he turned to me and he said, that's going to work. It might not have worked tonight, but we're going to keep it and we're going to keep doing it and they're going to get it. And so they had faith in it, and it's lasted now. <laughs> what has it been since I started using that? 28 years. It's been a long time. So that's the that's kind of the the history behind stand up and make some noise. Now, Joel, your original question dealt with one that has taken South Florida by storm, <laughs> the two minutes dos minutos call, and that's got its own story, and it's a great story. And it, and and so one day. I'm sitting in a production meeting uh, at the heat offices. I don't do that often. I don't go down to the offices. I don't maintain an office at the the American Airlines Arena. Uh, But I was down there for a meeting. And there were a, a lot of different departments in this meeting. And one was the department that was in charge of monitoring the demographics of the Miami Heat season ticket holders. And so someone brought up a question to the demographic group and said, what is the breakdown demographically speaking of the Miami heat, of a Miami heat season ticket holder and the response was it's identical to the demographic breakdown of Miami-Dade County which at the time was maybe 50-50 uh, maybe it was a little under 50-50 hispanic non-hispanic and so the response right back was well if we've got that many Hispanics that are our our season ticket holders, our most ardent, vibrant fans, we should do something to recognize that in our games. So the rhetorical question, I'd say rhetorical, but you'll see in a minute it wasn't rhetorical, was what can we do in our games to show that we understand, embrace, and really respect that culture of our fans being 50-50 at the time. And the entire room turns their head and looks at me. (laughs) And I'm saying, what? (laughs) They said, well, (laughs) what can you say that will allow these people to understand that we're throwing some of that Hispanic flair out there? I said, well, my gosh, I mean – I don't know. Uh, let's think about this for a minute. I said, I don't think we want to do anything too much, uh, too, too long of a, of a read or anything, because then the people who don't speak Spanish or understand Spanish will feel alienated. So it's gotta be inclusive all around, but it's gotta be special and it's gotta be something different. I said, all right, let me think about this for a minute because we might be on to something. I said, look, everybody, whether you speak Spanish or you don't speak Spanish, everybody knows uno, dos, tres means one, two, three. Everybody knows that. So we got to do something with the numbers one, two, or three. Now, those numbers are pre- uh, prevalent throughout the game of basketball. You've got one point baskets, you've got two point baskets, you've got three point baskets. So we thought, and we just now we're just as they say we're just spitball we're just throwing ideas out do you want to do something with a basket do you want me to you know announce a three and then follow that up with tres puntos what what do, you, what do we want to no nah, i don't want to do that that's that doesn't sound that doesn't sound good so i kept thinking about it a little bit more and i said you know there is something with the number two i said by nba rules i have to make an announcement when there are two minutes left in every quarter. Now, the reason for that is the NBA rules change in the last two minutes of the quarter. So the reason I have to announce it is not really to tell the fans, it's to tell the referees and the teams, hey, we're in the last two minutes, we're under those new set of rules now. So I said, well, what if we did something with the two minutes? I said, what if I said two minutes in English and then repeated it in Spanish? So I said, two minutes, dos, everybody knows two is dos, minutos and minutes, very similar. So we were, really wouldn't be alienating anybody. I'm saying it in both languages anyway. So how about we try it at the two minute mark of every quarter? Two minutes, dos minutos. And so, uh, our director at that time said, I got a better idea. I said, okay, great, what's the better idea? He said, you're gonna say two minutes, then you're gonna say dos, and then everybody in the arena is gonna scream minutos back to you. I said, okay. (laughs) I said, it sounds like a good idea. How in the world are we gonna teach 20,000 people When to say, and to even say, Minutos. He says, you just leave that up to me. So for an entire NBA season, we took our, we call them the hoop troop now, at the time they were the extreme team, our our crowd hype guys that are walking around the arena and getting in the sections and everything. They made signs for these guys that said Minutos. And for an entire season, They went to different sections around the American Airlines arena with these Minutos signs every quarter as we were getting close to two minutes. And they'd start spreading the word. Hey, at two minutes, Michael B. is going to say two minutes and he's going to say Dos. I'm going to raise up the sign. That means you guys scream Minutos. And we did that every single night for the entire season. And they were phenomenal. The the hype guys were awesome. The Heat fans have been even better. They followed their instructions. They did their thing. So that was kind of how Two Minutes Dos Minutos happened. It was one idea, then a better idea packed on to the end of it, which now has taken over South Florida, where Two Minutes Dos Minutos. Uh, it's not just my podcast. I mean, it's everywhere. It's everywhere you go. And and um, funny finish to that story is uh, for a number of years the Heat would play preseason games in non-NBA markets so we would go a lot to Louisville we'd go to Kansas City uh, and we'd go to we went to Biloxi one year and they would be home games for the Miami Heat so I'd travel uh, along with the, a lot of our uh, entertainment team and I'd announce the game and I'll never forget I was in Louisville one year and every time we went somewhere, we brought the dos minutos with us, and dropped the dos minutos. And I will tell you what: there was a bunch of people in Louisville that screamed minutos back to me. It was pretty funny. So this thing is uh, this thing is everywhere. It's been it's been great. And so those are two of uh, two of the more memorable phrases or sayings, and kind of how they came to be. Joel, thanks for asking about that. Uh,
0: that's honestly that's something crazy to think about. To think how those two moments led to those two iconic sayings from you. So that's kind of an amazing story to hear about.
4: So uh, I'll tell you one final thing about the, uh, the two minutes, dos minutos. There's another uh, NBA franchise who I will not name who uh, started doing the two minutes, dos minutos during their games with their PA announcer. Uh, but uh, the Miami Heat uh, quickly put the kibosh on that, and that organization does not use Dos Minutos anymore.
0: (laughs) Hmm. And then, Angelina, you had a question?
3: Yes, it's actually kind of a funny question, but it, it, it can tie back into what we're all talking about. So, like you previously said, you've worked for them for 30 seasons. Before you got signed to them, did you have a previous favorite team? Like, was it always the Heat, or was it another team?
4: No, growing up, uh, Angelina, I guess because I was always exposed to them, and because I kind of fell in love with PA announcing, with their PA announcer, I, I just was a Philadelphia 76ers fan. Um, I liked some of their players. Uh, back then they had a guy named Dr. J, Julius Irving. Um, and so I, I followed the Sixers uh, probably because of Mr. Zinkoff, uh, who was kind of my PA hero. Uh, and a man that I actually got to meet and work with um, early in my PA announcing career, which was just fabulous. I, I Just to, to meet the guy that you look up to and that you you think is the pinnacle of the job you want and being able to work with him. I uh, He actually announced a college championship game in South Florida and uh, I was brought in to be his spotter. Uh, he had, he was getting a little bit older, and his eyesight wasn't great. His pipes were still the best, but um, I was his spotter. And so um, having listened to him and studied him for so many years, being his spotter was was easy because I knew exactly how he announced the game. So I was feeding his lines the way he was going to say his lines. And so that was that was pretty cool. But uh, the Philadelphia 76ers before the Miami Heat, yeah.
3: That's awesome. That's cool. Mm-hmm.
0: And then um, Mr. Biamonte, quick question that just came up in my mind. And this goes back to what you were saying earlier about how like when a new player comes, you have to think about how you're going to say their name. Uh, question that I have is like, has there ever been like a certain player that's came to the heat that you sort of like looked at their names and you're like, you know how, like, you've just had a bit of a while, a bit of a long time to like come up with something for it. Like, it could be because of like the pronunciation of the name and all that. Like, has there ever been those type of moments where you'd have to like really brainstorm something up?
4: There, there has been a couple of uh, not many, but there's been one or two, Joel, where, um, I set a player's name, and generally where I like to try stuff out is in the preseason so I can get everything worked out and and fleshed out when we're ready to do it for real. And I I think there might have been one or two players over the course of all these seasons that the way it came out when I first said it, I I didn't really like it. Um, And then I kind of had to modify it a little bit. I'm at a loss as to who the players were, but I, I did remember going through that process a couple of times um i haven't had a player come to me and say they don't like the way i announce their name so that's good (laughs) that's a good thing Um, i've had some visiting players come up to me and tell me they don't like the way i announce their name but that's fine that's uh that makes me happy i'm doing a good job if uh uh god the guy who's old 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 player By the name of Bo Outlaw. I don't know if any of you all have ever even heard of Bo Outlaw. This is going (laughs) way back. Um, But as you can imagine, Bo was not his given name at birth. His given name at birth was Charles. So whenever, and everybody in the league knew him as Bo Outlaw. That's it, he was Bo Outlaw. Not in Miami. When he came to Miami, he was Charles Outlaw. (laughs) And I'll never forget, he came up to me the first night he was in town. I called him Charles Outlaw. And he came up to the scorer's table and he said, the name's Bo. I said, okay, but I know your name is Charles and I'm going to call you Charles. And so for for his entire career, he was Charles Outlaw whenever he played the Heat. And every time he came in town, he'd always look over, make sure he makes eye contact with me and just shake his head. (laughs) Just shake his head from side to side because Bo Outlaw was not going to be Bo Outlaw tonight. He was Charles.
0: (laughs) (laughs) And then, Clutch, I know you had a question you wanted to ask.
1: Yeah. Mike, we've talked about all of these incredible moments throughout all of Heat history since you've been there and how you've announced and used your iconic phrases in front of thousands and thousands, 20,000 fans a night how different does it feel, doing it at the beginning of the season in an empty arena, and now going on to I, I believe the heater at three thousand. How was what's, how was different about it
4: about that? Yeah, clutch. It's um, it's really it's really different. It's really different. First of all, listen. I've announced, and I'm not talking about the NBA. I'm going way back. I've announced for some. Really empty buildings back when I was doing high school games and doing college games. Uh, but there was at least somebody there, right? Uh, since the pandemic and since we've been back, and here I am announcing in my normal style, I'm not deadpanning anything in front of nobody, is the strangest thing ever that I've ever, ever, ever done. Um, A lot of what I think works between Heat fans and myself is the trade-off we have of energy and enthusiasm and excitement. I say something and the Heat fan responds, and that gets me fired up to be even more excited and enthused to say the next thing to get them fired up, which then they get me fired up. And so you see this whole thing that happens, but you know, it's like gasoline and fire and one of them's missing and the other one's just not working. And so it's, it's incredibly unusual clutch. Um, Now that we're starting to get a few more people in the building. And and as you mentioned, we're uh, as of today, we're at a max of 3000. There's a little bit of reaction coming back. uh, But even so on a, on a given night, 20,000 people and we've got 3000 and you think of all the other elements um, if, you know, if you're able to see what uh, my background looks like, I've got the the uh, opening introduction, the flamethrowers, as we call them, as uh, my background. Well, those aren't there. And so everything we do now is is piped in video to replace something or audio to replace something. And so it's extremely difficult. Now, why? Where do I find that? inside of me to stay enthusiastic and to make it sound like there's 20,000 people in there. Well, the reason the team wants me to announce the game like we're sold out is because they want our guys to have some sense of normalcy and in whatever it can be. And something as, as small as the way the game sounds through the PA system. Uh, if it sounds normal, maybe that will help them feel like it's normal. But I will tell you, two things struck me, Clutch, when we started this season. First of all, just how cavernous and empty American Airlines Arena is when the game of basketball is going on and nobody's there. And the other thing is how eerily quiet it is when we don't have any fans. You can hear every instruction that every coach is giving you can hear every uh, amount of support and uh, help from the bench that the players are yelling out to those that are on the floor playing at the time. It's, um, it's really, really strange. It is, it is unusual. Um, and it, it's been something I had to work through and get over. And hopefully now we're on the road to where we'll start to have bigger and bigger crowds. It's been really weird, Clutch. Yeah, I would imagine.
2: Definitely. My, my question was actually sim- similar to that one. Um, so obviously your, your voice has a huge impact on the fans. And I kind of want to get in your head a little bit and see, you know, w- what are you thinking about as the game's going along? Um, are you just reacting naturally, you know, based on your, your excitement? Or is it something that you're consciously thinking of to kind
4: of play off the crowd? So now, now, yeah, now we get into the psyche of a PA announcer who's, uh, who's been around for a long time. Um, and so, Jake, it's a little bit of a combination of the two, and I'll tell you, I'll explain what I mean. So having announced over 1,000 Miami Heat games, um, the game is, is the game, right? The game of basketball is the game of basketball. But what I've learned over my experiences are the little things during the basketball game that get the fans charged up things that i just need to spark a little bit that really gets them into full crescendo and what might that be well that could be our team goes on a run and the other team calls timeout because We've just hit three threes in a row and lo and behold, we just got a steal and Duncan Robinson just hit another one. And the coach for the other team is running on the court as fast as he can. Timeout, timeout. That right there is just the the spark. And the way I like that is to make a huge deal about the other team calling timeout. So I'm reading in my mind, okay, If we get a positive heat thing here and that coach calls timeout, I'm going to fire start this thing right now by, and I'll just pick a random team. And the Rockets call time! Well, at that point, we've got some pump power music playing. The fans are on their feet. The players are high-fiving each other. And, you know, my little spark is in there, too. And so it's reading those small little things during the game. Things like if a player is playing really well on the floor, whether it be offense, defense, whatever. And when I say playing really well, I mean, I I can pretty much tell who's playing well and who's not. When that player comes out of the game, I will bring him out of the game with the same enthusiasm that I would if he was starting that night. Because I know the crowd is going to respond to say, thank you, job well done. So those are some of the small little nuanced things that I will do as an announcer that will help the crowd get involved and help them help the team. And at the end of the night, if you think as a fan you had a good time and it was interactive and you participated, whether we won or lost, if you had fun with that, from my standpoint of the heat experience, that's what I try to bring.
2: And that's so cool to hear. You know, obviously your your role in the heat the heat fan experience, but also you know your role in the home court advantage. Um, definitely, you know, helping the crowd keep that level of excitement, and, and that you know, in a close game, that can be the difference. So, definitely cool to hear about.
4: Yeah, we've got you know, we've got awesome fans. They are the best. I love our fans. We've been together for a long time. And they certainly understand the game. But every now and then, maybe they just need a little bit of a something extra that I can give them to get them up and get them excited and maybe high in each other or whatever it might be. And a lot of smiles on faces and let's go heat! Let's go heat! Whatever it takes uh, to get everybody fired up. Mm-hmm.
0: And then, Clutch, Inch, any questions you guys want to ask?
4: Oh yeah! Come one, to the end I, of the questions, and
1: I question you I, guys out. I actually got one. I got one little fun question for you, Mr. DiMarzio.
4: Heat versus the world calls time.
1: <laughs> I actually have one yeah, very, very interesting question, very fun question for you. Uh, bringing back to something you mentioned earlier in the pod that you back I'm a, I'm a big wrestling fan. That you've worked for Vince McMahon and WWE. How, how, how is it working for, for wrestling in comparison to
4: something completely different that's basketball? (laughs) Uh, there's no, no, there's no comparison. There's absolutely no comparison. Um, I worked, I worked for Vince back, this is a long time ago, back in the mid eighties. So it was the world wrestling Federation, which has become the WWE, uh, The the big-name guys back then were Hulk Hogan and uh, Andre the Giant, uh, George the Animal Steel, Randy Macho Man Savage. I worked with all of those guys. Um, And I had a little different perspective, Clutch, working for Vince than I do working, for example, for the NBA and for the Miami Heat. Um, I was more... Of the Because even though back in the mid-80s, professional wrestling was not portraying itself as not being real. They wanted people to think it was real. Um, behind the scenes, it wasn't real. It was a show. And I was part of the show. So as part of that, I was actually backstage and had access to these wrestlers. Uh, and they kind of got to know me. And I I got to know them a little bit, Um, but we were working together every month, every month, every month, every month. So you you build relationships with them. Um, In the NBA, it's a little different. I have my show, but they have their job. And so I don't have the relationship with the players like I did with the wrestlers. Um, And as much as I pride myself, and we've talked about here today as being part of the Heat experience – um that's different than the heat basketball team trying to win a game that matters uh on the floor so it it was it was different um it was it was a lot of fun i had a i worked for vince for two years um and I've got some incredible stories that maybe we'll do in another podcast at some point
0: mm-hmm
3: I have one last question for you, Mr. Viamonte. If you weren't to be a PA announcer or like an announcer in general, would you have a like? What would your backup job be?
4: I would probably be some type of trainer or teacher, or possibly a professional speaker. Um, I I did a lot of training in my corporate America days, uh, as you might. Imagine I trained people how to sell things over the phone. So I was a telemarketing telemarketing trainer. Um, and so nowadays you get those telemarketing calls and they're annoying and you hang up on them. And well, you know, back then, uh, when I was doing this, the advent of the cell phone wasn't where it was today. And so a lot of people had regular phones at home and, um, my my unit's responsibility was, uh, we were in the insurance business. When you would call to cancel your insurance, we would try to do our best sales pitch to try to get you to keep it. And so I was training people on how to use their voice to be influential over the phone and convince people to keep the products that, uh, that we had sold them originally.
3: Mm-hmm. Okay, I got you. So then,
0: you know, um, before I ask this question, Clutch, um, Jake, do you guys have anything else you want to ask?
2: No, I'm good. Yeah, nothing nothing else on my end. But, again, thank you so much for sharing so many cool, uh, cool
4: tidbits of Heat
2: history and, of course, your own personal history with us.
4: Well, you guys are welcome. I really have had a great time with it, and uh, I certainly hope your, your listeners enjoy it as much as I know. Uh, the five of
0: us enjoyed it. <laughs> so, um, yeah, with that being said, though, I just have one last question to ask. Um, is there anything you want to tell Heat fans out there, um, specifically those who probably want to pursue a career in public announcing and all that?
4: Uh, thanks for giving me that, that opportunity, Joel, because I do get inquiries a lot from young pa announcers who are very very interested in in the job and want to know how how can i make a career of this how can i just get a better job in what i'm doing as a pa announcer and you know the the job has changed a lot when i first started and we talked about this at the top of the podcast when i was announcing for my high school nobody else ever thought about doing it nobody else really wanted to do it and that's kind of the way it was early on. It was a it was a forgotten job. It wasn't really one that a lot of people had interest in. And as time went on, it kind of got cool. And, and I would say the one guy who really started to make the job of PA announcer cool was a guy by the name of Ray Clay. Ray Clay was the public address announcer for the Chicago Bulls during michael jordan's heyday and so he really started to make the job cool i only say that because it is so competitive now to break in and to climb the ladder when it comes to public address announcing the one thing and i talked about it earlier is always announce whatever you are doing with the understanding or at least convincing yourself that your next job is going to come from somebody that's out there listening to you right now. Always remember that. The other thing is teams and organizations are looking for PA announcers that can prove that they are trustworthy with a microphone because you control the message that people hear that is representing the organization you are announcing for. You have to be trustworthy with the microphone. How do you do that? Well, you start getting different gigs. You start working, maybe you're breaking in in high school. And the next thing you know, you want to try to do a high school tournament. And then you want to try to get to a high school state championship. And so you start building on these on these gigs that you get and each one is a little bit more important than the last one shows that you've got what it takes that you can be trusted at the ultimate stage you continue to build that way and may I say in some cases you may have to do the work gratis I'm not saying you should work for free but I am saying in some cases doing a job without being compensated can go further than being paid for a bad job. So prove your worthiness, prove your trustworthiness, continue to build your skills, build those resumes, and remember my story. I went to the heat back in 1988. I was the only PA guy doing basketball in town. They turned me down. Was I bummed out about it? Yeah. Did I quit? nope i continue to announce i got a break and i took advantage of it and so that's how you want to look at it there's a lot of teams out there there's a lot of pa announcers those jobs are harder and harder to get the nba jobs are impossible to get miami's hasn't been available in 30 years so continue to work on your craft try not to get down Know that there's jobs out there if you can prove that you're trustworthy. So that's what I've got for
0: Mm-hmm. I know a lot of the Heat fans out there who probably want to pursue that career are probably going to take that to heart moving forward. So thank you for letting them know that. And with that being said, it looks like it's time to wrap it up. So that being said, thank you to Mr. Michael Biamonte for, for taking part in today's episode And to all those listening, thank you for tuning in. And we'll see you next time with a brand new episode of the Heat vs. the World podcast. Thank you for listening to the Heat vs. the World podcast. And we'll see you next time with a brand new episode.